Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Kinsey, and with me tonight is Josh Cacho. Josh, how we doing? I mean, it's always nice to talk after two in a row. Yeah, especially right, like, when one of those is Seattle. Absolutely, right? So, you know, off a string of, of some quality some quality wins, right? Can we officially say that LAFC is back on their normal track for what summer usually looks like for most MLS teams? Yeah, right. I mean, that, I mean, they fielded a strong lineup, um, despite like Acosta and Tillman still being out, Palencia obviously out, right? Um, Mario not around, but you still have Chiellini and Maldonado back there. You have three official forwards, I would say. And I mean, really, the only guy that isn't like a MLS mainstay would be Chrysostomo, right? Mm-hmm. So 10 out of 11 guys are legitimate players. Uh, yeah. So maybe we are back as long as this group stays healthy and guys trickle back in. Well, I mean, and again, our being down was a factor of everyone not being available, right? And then obviously the mm-hmm. sheer number of games that they're playing. I, I still yeah. do think that that said injury is still playing a factor in his ability to recover from like a fitness perspective. Um, he just doesn't seem like he has that same burst that he had. Again, I don't think you lose that burst over the course of two weeks, right? Unless yeah. it was something a lot yeah. more major. Um, because again, he had it at the beginning of the year where he wasn't getting beat that badly down the line. Like we see, we see at times tonight, right? I think it's a matter of, when you're dealing with a lung injury, you just can't do a whole lot of anything, like any kind of rib injury, you can't do a whole lot of anything. Right. So your fitness levels are definitely going to drop and it's going to take time to re it's going to take similar to the amount of time that it took to get into fitness, which is an off season to probably ramp back up to where he needs to be, um, you know, at full strength. Right. Which is probably going to be late July. I think it'd probably be okay. You know, now that he's back playing, you know, steady games, at this point yeah i i mean i I saw some people mentioning him like he had he had maybe the toughest assignment on the field with leo chu um who's just incredibly fast and dynamic down the wing and like that's that's a tall as a tall order especially when the center backs are worried about role really diaz and your midfield is worried about nico ladero like there's a lot of stuff going on so you're going to be isolated against leo chu like that's just the way it is um, and ultimately kept him off the score sheet. Yeah, it, it, did Leo Chu get behind him a handful of times? Sure, but like, I don't He's know. I have, do a, that I have a yeah, yeah. Um, so I one nothing win. I think this is probably Bogic's coming out party. Uh, tonight I played in the midfield the entire game, scores a goal in 54 seconds, the second fastest goal in LAFC history. Second only to one, Chicho Arango, Josh. Scored in 20 seconds against RSL. Um, But what I loved about about Bogut through the midfield today is his instinct to combine first and then drive once he's actually in space. So oftentimes we see this midfield, especially Sifu, um, it's once once you get the ball, it's just drive, just go. Whereas Bogut's is looking to combine, not just to give up the ball and like pass the buck. It's like, let's give up the ball, let's move into space, and then 
once I get it back, then let's drive once I'm in even more space. And that's exactly how he scores this goal. I think he bounces it off of Bawanga, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a Poku. Um, you know, there's a ball one, plays it to Bawanga, gets it back, and just keeps driving. And he's got options everywhere. The, the forwards do a good job of spreading out the back line, the Seattle back line, and there's space, so he takes the shot. Um, and to me, that's just like classic attacking midfield play right there. Yeah. But you can tell the one thing I will say is he was patient enough to let the play develop in front of him, right? Like something that we that will harp on a lot is like that, like the the decision doesn't come at the right time, right? Our our midfielders don't often are you know they're good enough to usually make the right decision, just sometimes late, right, Mm -hmm. or early for that matter. Um, But in the case of Bogut at this point, the way he at least tonight, the way that he played, right, was in on that goal right you see him drag it across you know kind of across the face of goal a little bit longer waiting for a defender to come either way you can tell he's just feeling out what the defender is going to do and the second he sees them slide towards the forwards then he Mm -hmm. uncorks it right well and it's the same it's the same principle as the mid like what makes him more successful driving the ball through the midfield right is if there's anywhere even near him he's going to dump off that ball move into space, get it back. I mean, it looks it looks like a just a plain old give and go, and in a lot of ways it is, but that moves the defender that's on his shoulder, right? And what mm-hmm. we see so often when Sifu picks up the ball in that area, or Opoku is another one who picks up, even though he's not a he's not a midfielder, he picks up the ball in those half spaces, right, in the midfield quite often. And he'll just turn the ball and start going. And it's like those guys will dribble themselves into isolation or a new challenge. And so Bogic combining first rather than driving and then combining seems to unlock some new stuff. Now, is it going to work every time? I don't know. Time time will tell. But when I see a midfielder play like that, that's like my – that's really what I'm looking for in a midfielder is that combine first, then drive type of mentality. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because it again, it allows you. It's the, it's essentially the triple threat position in basketball, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you get that ball once you that ball comes into possession, you put yourself in a position to do one of three things, right? Pass, shoot, or move with the uh-huh. ball, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what he does every single time, right? So he he sets himself up in a position where he opens up when he receives the ball, he opens himself with an option to combine, to drive into space, or to uncork a shot if it's so called for in that position Mm -hmm. versus a lot of times that the initial touch that a lot of the players take only allows them with singular options right it's either i have to drive into space i have to take a touch i have to drive forward because either the way that they received the ball wasn't the greatest right the touch let let them down right but i think what you know bogus is playing in a way right now that puts him into those good positions right where he can do multiple things and like you said look to combine, and then if it's not there, drive into space. Yeah, uh, it's it's just what you want, right? And yeah. I, and you see it from guys like Tim Tillman, who's probably not as much of an attacking player. Uh, same with Kellen Acosta, right? You see that same sort of mentality. Uh, Mati just gives it to you further up the field. And so like, I, re- I, I really think you could deploy him as a 10, even if it's not like a pure central 10, like in a four, two, three, one, 
you can still do your four three three, have your two attacking mids. You know, you just you you kind of like we used to see with Latif, right? Where he was again more the anti ten, where he's not really looking to create. He's just there to press. But um, his assignment is to be farther forward most of the time. So just because that midfield isn't super balanced or perfectly symmetrical doesn't mean it's not going to work. Um, well, I mean, I think it was Klopp at, at when he was with Dortmund that did that quite a bit, right? Where he would play Gundogan like just way further advanced, um, you know, and, and like an offset four three three, right? As opposed to you know what you what you saw later on when he's at Liverpool, which is like the midfield doesn't is just there to basically provide a platform, right? They're not. They're not there to really attack. They're not. Yeah, there they're a, they're a trivote, right? Like mm-hmm. that's yeah, yeah. So you know, I think in in that in this particular case, like you're saying, I think when you have Acosta on the field, now it gives you that flexibility to play either, you know, either Bogus or you can play Tillman there, depending mm-hmm. on the situation. And again, given the teams that we face that have been, you know, that you know that we're going to face on the road. Right, that are at the top of the league right now. Look at them. It's, you know, whether it's Philadelphia, who we know is going to be there down the road, down the stretch, um, or Seattle, even who play, you know, who technically plays out of a four-two-three-one, but played two strikers essentially in Morris and Rui Diaz up high with Roldan kind of floating underneath, or Cincinnati, right, who play a two-striker system. You're going to need the you're going to need the the other two full, uh, midfielders to kind of clog up that half space because again, right. you're going to see you're going to see them try to play balls into the into the channels and let yeah. runners come onto it. Um, yeah, I I mean, anything else specific that you saw? I mean, to me, again, Bogic is the talking point. He's the man of the match. I don't. I assume he was given it by the thirty two fifty two. Fantastic game. Um, Ilya looked good. He had one fantastic tackle on, I think, Joao Paulo, where he, like, it's, like, right on the touchline. He comes in, slides. Attacker goes flying. He keeps the ball, like, right on the line, gets up and puts it, and puts it right back in the attack. I thought that was uh, – he had a great night. Um, I thought in the second half they started to really possess the ball well in and around the final third. They had trouble um, – they had hold on one second. Sorry, I gotta pause for a second. Sorry. Okay. All right, we're back. Sorry, cat uh, had a mouse. I could hear it messing with it from outside the door, uh, so had to run and take care of that real quick. Um, but we were talking about uh, LAFC possessing in and around the final third. Still, still some problems to be worked out. I thought. Um, they're still looking for Bowanga early, and like that's fine. I do the more that I watch Bowanga in in this team and in this current setup, I feel like he's also trying to drive the ball a little bit too early. Like maybe if he combines a little bit more on the way out, he can get he can get a little bit better service. Um, I think the one who struggles the most, honestly, is is Opoku. Just because I feel like he just does not combine well with people, Josh. I, you get moments of individual brilliance from him, and he scores absolute bangers, like we always talk about. But um, he he 
he just seems like he's on a different wavelength all the time than, than his teammates. And I think you saw multiple times when Hollingshead would bring the ball up. And if Seattle would let Hollingshead have the half space all the way up to the 18, and Opoka would never move. He'd never go out wide. He'd never make a run in behind. He'd just kind of stand there watching Hollingshead drive into the same area that he was. And it's like, that's not helping. That's not actually creating a 2v1 with Hollingshead against Nuhu or whoever. It's just kind of like, it's just crowding the area. And he was one specifically that I wanted to see get wide a little bit more as a winger, especially if, if Hollingshead is coming inside. Well, and especially because I think he's actually really good at it. You know, he's fairly good at attacking one-on-one, right? He's yes, he, with, yes. with his profile, he's low to the ground. You know, he can drive. He doesn't, get, it's not easy to take the ball off him, right? Mm-hmm. I actually think he's, as of late, he's been better at keeping the ball than even Blanca, right? Who tends to, in his one-on-ones, kind of get, get stuffed up a little bit. Now, sometimes they're sending two or three guys at him, but, um, yeah, yeah. you know, but with, with Apoku, he does seem like a guy who the game is moving really fast for him still, mm-hmm. right? Not necessarily like he's overwhelmed, but that he's found a lane in which the game, like the game works for him at this speed and this is where he's playing, right? Yeah. And there's yeah. not, I'm not, you know, like, and he still needs to develop that other dimension to his game where it truly slows down and then he can think while doing, right? It's the difference between what is the, the Daniel Kahneman book, Thinking Fast and Slow, mm. right? Mm. Like he's he's generally thinking fast, right? It's 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 all reactionary, but there's not a lot of that slow level analytical thinking because I, I don't think he his brain can process at that level at the moment, right? Doesn't mean that he won't get there. And I think he will because you can see from even from, you know, from year one to now, last year to now, right? That that ability to make those things happen, like he gives you so much more, right? Because again, yeah. now it's starting to kind of fall into place. But I think that's that last aspect of his game that can truly unlock him that I think if he can figure that out, he's not long for Europe or one of these other clubs because I think at that point it does give him that ability to um, it does give him that ability to probably make better decisions in the final third right which is often right are where his his weakness lies right it's just decision making decision making in these quick spots he's best when you put a ball overhead he can go full steam and it's shoot or cross Right. Yeah. One one right. decision, one move, right? Yep. Versus like we were talking about, Mati tonight does a lot better job of being able to combine because I think the game, man, again, some of it's position too, right? Like when you're asked to pick up a ball in open space and then now drive forward or make a decision there, it's a lot different than having to do it at, you know, 90% all out, you know, 90% of your all out sprint, take a ball, you know, take it down with your first touch and then try to beat, beat a defender around the corner. Right, like yeah, yeah. The, it takes a special kind of person to do it at a, at that high of a level, but I do think that there's a there's potential to get there. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's just gonna, it's it's always going to be up and down because he's yeah. a young he's a young player that relies on on raw ability quite a bit. Um, so I yeah. It, the other example that comes to mind is there are play. They'd, I think they won a ball on a corner kick, a Seattle corner kick. 
and they're trying to build out. Somebody plays a ball out of the box towards a Poku, and Bowanga kind of dummies the ball, and a Poku just stays flat-footed. And I think it's Nico Lodero that is mm. behind him, and he just like rushes in and intercepts the ball and puts it right back into play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and it's kind of like, dude, check your shoulder. Yeah. Like the, the most basic of things, right? And it's not to say that he never does it, because, but this is just one more example of where it's like, again, sometimes he's on a different wavelength. Um, Wait, I mean, it doesn't, I don't, like you're saying, the anticipation isn't there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like that feel for what, you know, there are certain guys that know what you're going to do before you do it. Yeah, right? yeah. Like when they right. combine and it doesn't seem like that, you know, like, but you look at earlier in the season, that combination of Vela and Hollingshead, Right. Yeah. Those guys were perfectly in sync or even Vela with Stephen Betashore. Right. Mm-hmm. That they knew exactly when the run was coming. They knew exactly what to do when the run was coming. They yeah. knew when to flatten out. They knew when to cut in. Right. Those things still look like they're taking processing time for Mahala as opposed yeah, to yeah. being instinctual at that point. Right. So that's that thing. The last the last one that I'll point out is towards the end of the game. And it's Ordaz at this point. And Ordaz is between I think it's the right center back and the central center back. A wide open. Apoku's driving the ball down the left wing. He's in a lot of spaces doing the right things, right? Driving the ball forward, making defenders step to him. And the right center back steps and he holds onto the ball and holds onto the ball. And you see Ordaz, like he, Ordaz starts his run and stops it and starts it and stops it, trying to like time up a pass. Like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm running through, play me the ball, right? And he keeps stopping and starting his runs and he never does play the ball through and then it's just taken off of him right so it's kind of like those are the little things um but this isn't the this isn't the beat up Poku show because we love him but it's it's just one of those things where you where when you watch like okay maybe all the pieces are there together uh there i know there is interest in europe i don't think the move will happen now uh and yeah, I, I but do that's think- probably the last thing that needs to happen before it it does, right? Yeah, before right, a big it's a, move, a bigger yeah. move. Yeah, because you would think if he were to go now, it's probably not to a club. You know, like a, it's not going to be a huge move. It's not going to be to anything that's going to blow. You know, that's going to move you. However, if he adds this aspect to his game, physically, he's so good at what he does. Yeah, that absolutely. if he can add that next level, it makes it a lot. Again, it makes him now you know, a top forward in a, you know, in the yeah. air division maybe, or he would know. be, he would, I, I really think he would be so good out of a team that plays with wide midfielders. Mm. Just like Atleti, for example, not that level, but like somebody that plays out of a four, four, two, where he can be on that right wing. He can, he can be active defensively and then be absolutely unleashed in the counter attack. Um, I think where he's not responsible for hold up play as much as he is in like a four three three or just like get it. Like if he if he's got two guys that he can send the ball into, I think I think he would be exceptionally dangerous for sure. But you know, part of me thinks like, are we playing? Does that pigeonhole him to a specific role that he could be good at, or is there room for him to develop to become something? bigger and again i don't know oh, I, I think there's i think there's plenty right. of plenty of room i'm just thinking like long term like what what kind of team is going to be looking at him 
But, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see them doing that now, right? When Vela kind of drops inside and he just is off that right wing and just takes off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, True. It's, True. he's already super effective at it. It's just, again, how often he gets to do it in our system. Yeah, yeah. Right, again, right. like I know Steve has emphasized counterattacking a little bit more and being being quicker in transition. Um, but obviously, you're only in it so many opportunities when, you know, 50% of the league is bunkered in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, other performances, Georgia Chiellini came back and was superb. <laughs> just all night and you know a lot of activity on twitter talking about how good he is and rightfully so he's incredible uh my favorite thing and it was early in the game and i think it was leo chu had gotten around hollingshead and is looking for a bit of a cutback cross and he looks over his shoulder he sees where Rui diaz is and then turns back around and that's when Rui diaz starts his run and chiellini no he like as if you read his mind when he turned around like Oh, he's going to run here towards the near post. And Chiellini moves towards the near post. Chu plays the ball right to him, and it's like crosses cut out. I thought both he and Maldonado did exceptionally well with cutting out crosses. I mean, when um, Maldonado stays on his feet yeah, or in the air, he's good. Yeah, he's yeah. great. He's good. Just, he's only, the only time we've really had to fault him is when he's gone to ground. And unfortunately, he does it quite often. So we fault yeah. him a lot for it, right? Um, but yeah, he's so good with the crosses, and Rui Diaz was so frustrated. Uh, there's a uh, potential penalty situation with him. I didn't think there was anything in it the first time I saw it uh, at full speed, and turns out in slow motion it looks even more innocuous. It's like he's Chiellini is like grazing him with his knee. Is it a veteran dark art type of thing? Absolutely. Sure it is. But it's not a penalty. Rui Diaz spins off of him like a top and goes to ground. And to his credit, Ted Uncle waves him off and then waves off the VAR check too. Yeah, I mean, Ted Uncle has moved slightly ahead of um, Elfath as my least favorite ref in the league. Though I think yeah. it's going there. There does need to be a little bit of restructuring because there's some new guys that are pretty terrible. Yeah, who's the other? Uh, Penso, right? Yeah, yeah, I feel like I feel like he's just Mister Swallow Your Whistle. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, so yeah, Kilini was fantastic. Um, or Daz cooked Nuhu uh, on the dribble, and I, anytime Nuhu gets beat, I, I love it because all the ironic MLS coverage has to acknowledge that he got beat, and I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's it it goes back to, you know, like our, our constant criticism of the way that there's been this, what somewhat of a corporate capture of, of the media that surrounds major league soccer. Right. I mean, look at how everything's done and how everything's appropriated, even the way, you know, it's, you're only going to get so much because it's, it's, it's a business and truly a business and there's no doubt about it in American sports. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, it's a weird reality and somewhat of a weird pill to swallow um, when you find yourself somewhat invested in a team. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, again, I, I just, when new who gets beat, I think it's great because then we don't have to hear Matt Doyle talk about how he's the greatest defender in the world and <laughs> uh, watch people just get effectively trolled and, and baited. Um, 
So yeah, Ordaz I thought looked good tonight in his he I mean he didn't play very much at all. Duenas came onto the field, did good things. I I think uh another another guy that gets a lot of hype is Obed Vargas and I don't think he's a bad midfielder, but I think Eric Duenas has a much higher ceiling. Uh and I think he's better now. Um I think he's older, so I mean that there's that. But Duenas is every time I see him man, he's he's classic. Again, tonight uh tight control in the midfield, able to turn the ball, shield it, protect it, turn away from pressure, first touch, second touch, whatever you need, play smart passes. One of my favorites is there's a kind of a long ball. I think it was to Rui Diaz. Maybe to somebody, it may have been a bear and he kind of comes in and does this kind of like sidekick thing around his body and then picks up the ball that way. And like, the, every every time I see him, the kid does something to surprise me. So I'm I look forward to watching him for many years to come. Yeah, I mean, Vargas is your typical Seattle high floor, high floor guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I don't know what a ceiling is. Doesn't it? Doesn't it's Christian Roldani, something like that? Sure, right? Maybe. Um, versus, I do think that Duenas has more. Like the 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 rep the rapid pace at which he's progressed yeah. tells me that there's more, more there. Um, I think, you know, like I said, that, that you know, and I think it was our, our good friend Monty that pointed out that, you know, that that's our future captain right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that's, he's that's a solid, that. he's a solid player, man. He's a solid player and there's going to be some growing pains and it's going to take some time to put it all together. And like to the point where you see it night in and night out, like a guy, you know, as like you do with a guy like, like Ilya, but Ilya is like 34 years old. <laughs> so yeah. Like there's, but, but, there's plenty of time. But is you know, but he he strikes me as a guy, right, that will go down as one of those one of those beloved, you know, beloved figures in the club. Yeah, right? I think I think he's gonna be the first big uh academy product. Like the mm-hmm. first like true guy to like break through and stick and maybe move on. But it's, I, I, for me, it's too early to tell. Like, if if Europe's in his future or not, I think I think the ceiling is certainly there. You see it, but it's just a matter of like, does I it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think right now, at minimum, it's that that academy player that becomes a high, like a ten level player, right? Forty yeah. long term. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I mean that that would be. Because then he's your Christian Roldan. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the high-level TAM player. But anyway. All right. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that I saw tonight that was you know noteworthy. I think Chiqui Palacios continues to be an unsung hero on the team. The way that this team builds on the left consistently, I think, uh, may escape a lot of people. And it's... It's mostly because of him. And when he isn't forcing crosses in too early or, you know, feeling like he has to shoot everything, uh, he's really effective at providing like a wide option out there and making smart decisions and, and knowing when and when to attack and, and when to possess a bit. Now tell me this. Did it seem like that left side of the attack was even more dangerous when you added Bogus into the mix because you now have a midfielder a, th- a third player to add into your passing, tr- to actually form a passing triangle. 
Yeah, it absolutely does, right? right? When you versus, have a midfielder that moves. Right, versus Sifu, who's often, or Acosta does it to a certain degree, right? Just further back. Yeah. Right. So, again, like, I do I do think that Acosta gives you a layer because it allows you to get, Acosta gets you out of trouble when yeah. he's playing in, in that position. But when Bogus is there on that left-hand side, right, because that's typically, yeah, because Tillman's usually on the right, right? So it would be Acosta's, Acosta's side there, mm-hmm. right? You get a different type of combination because, again, it's done way further up. I think, I don't know if Dennis, Denny was quite ready to, like, uh, not ready, but I don't think he was expecting there to be a guy at, at that high level being able to combine that high up the pitch. Yeah, um, Because, yeah. again, the, the runs didn't seem, seem, still seemed a bit off. But I think if they can continue down this trend, I mean, it, it does speak it does give you a ton of options, right? Yeah. Well, because I mean, now now you can you can play with that kind of second striker that you've looked for out of the three man midfield, right? That mm-hmm. that ten that we talked about, or you can go to a, more of a Trivote looking midfield with Tillman and Acosta. Um, there's all kinds of different things that you can do now. Uh, I mean, I again, it's it's good to see some of these guys actually come good well and again and it and it takes a midfield that we've often been worried about and it's now become like a point of strength that you have guys like duenas you know duenas really come through and right and provide yeah. a, a higher floor and then now if you have to think if you know the anticipation is that even with a guy like sifu leaving right that with his quality leaving now you're going to have monty to step in right away into that into that role and again yeah, give hopefully. you options Hopefully they continue to use them there, right? But but now, but then again, it does. If you don't have to spend there, you can bring in another six to get to help sub Ilya, give him some rest, yep. right? Like the 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 rumors were Ilar Mendy from Real Madrid, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Or last of uh, where was where was Bella before this? Sociedad, yeah, right. Yeah, I think he was there pre- uh, most recently, but. You bring in that guy there, and then now you can spend. It doesn't matter what you do with your last DP, right? You can actually develop someone with your young DP, yeah. yeah. Without without a whole lot of pressure, and then go and get a, a, high, a more expensive nine. Right, right, right. Which yeah. is I... what we've all been wanting. <laughs> it's the dream. It mm-hmm. is the dream to have one. It's just a matter of making the numbers fit. Trade to Miami for Campana. I'm pretty sure Miami already said though that they're not going to, right? I thought, but they're also bringing in Busquets on a DP contract, so I don't know how that's going to fit. Uh, next thing you know, they're going to be suspended for the next ten years again. Oh well, I mean they they would just say, well, Messi's a league wide DP, so Miami still gets three, and Messi is our is our league DP. That's what they'll say. I mean, they'll say, granted, they'll make it if it, up. you know, like it's one of those things where, for as much as we despise the galaxy. The one place that we often give it credit is pushing the league in the right direction yeah, from no, a spend, I, from a spending perspective. Yeah. And so, if this is the same case of my, you know, if the same happens to be true of Miami, they were able to push the league spending wise to the point now where things are are opened up, where now you're not having to deal with some of the stuff that we're dealing with from a structural perspective. That's, you know, yeah. as Trinolo talked about. Okay. Right. I mean, then if you if you tell me that. 
I'll take it. They can go sign. They can go sign Busquets, and I think Jordi Alba was even <laughs> linked at one point. Like, if they can do that, and it's gonna take the, it's gonna take Miami to have five DPS, and that for this year they're gonna have five DPS, and next year everybody else has them too. Like, fine, do it. Like, please, because uh, I, I totally agree. Something has to push this league, and what this league has shown is that they won't ever open it up until somebody forces them to and shows them that it can't be done. Like the league itself has zero ambition uh, in like in signing big names and making big transactions. Uh, It's all, it's all like they want the, the franchises to do it first, but the league's not going to, the league's not just going to open it up for everybody because they're protecting the RSLs of the world. I mean, there's, there's always going to be the collective bargaining issue that's going to come up. Right. But Double the cap. Right. 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 Because the thing is, if you double the cap, those random like DPs that are worth like $1.1 million, right? That are worth whatever, 1.7. Yeah. Okay. We're not even, it's not even a conversation anymore, right? About, about what those, what they bring, you know, like they can just be regular players under the under, under a double right. Chicho Rongo, a, right? You can pay him what you need, and he and he gets to stay, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's no then need for then you. you can do whatever the heck instead of having to do these, you know, financial gymnastics to make it work. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I, again, I hope that Miami continues to attract more and more people, and that the league takes it as a sign that there are ambitious franchise operators in the league and that they need to cater to them and not the others uh, in order yeah. to push the but, league. But again, I think you have the league's going to have to see a return on investment, right? And I think of all the investments who have made, this is probably the one that makes the most financial sense. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they, you know, if Apple TV calls and is like, Hey, we have a 45% increase in subscribers, then like the league can take that as concrete evidence that, Hey, this is the right thing. This is mm-hmm. the right thing to do, especially at a time when the Saudi league is just making it rain um, and and poaching talent like these guys can be got. So you got it. You got to take the you got to take the training wheels off. Yeah. You know, but again, I think there's always going to be leagues like Saudi league or like the Chinese league before where they're just going to throw absurd money. Right. It's not, it's not all about money. I agree. And it doesn't and it doesn't necessarily raise the level. I do think there there is something to be said about a balance between the progressive and the conservative and the conservative models of of the league that ends up finding a good middle ground, right? It does take some teeth pulling to get there, but when it does finally happen, it generally yeah. works out for the better, right? Oh, it's like you the said, league- like do do double the salary cap and take away all the funny money. Right, so give I what's the salary cap like six million or something like that? Something mm-hmm. absurd. Triple it, take yeah, it to twenty million. million. Take it to twenty million, and four guys over like that don't hit the cap. Like, and your league will explode. Yeah, I mean that's still ten times less than every other big league in the United States. If it yeah. a twenty million dollar yeah. salary cap, absolutely right. Because again, you can still do the thing where you can attract big name players if you allow for expand, you know, more to it. But I mean, it, you're mm-hmm. already going to start, you're going to surpass every other domestic anything in the continent. 
Oh yeah, I mean, you made that move. You would you would cripple League MX if you did that. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, last question. Uh, LAFC tweeted out a hat reveal, a domestic male hat reveal. Josh, do we think that was one of the LAFC's two signings that were announced, or do we think there's yeah. somebody else still? No, I think it was for was it Christopher Jaime, right? And again, and I do. So there's two, two boats on this, or two two thought thought process here. One, just like any other player, they deserve they deserve their moment in the sun, right? Right, right. I I do think you know like there's, it's it's if if I'm that kid, and I get and I get my the same my treatment. pro contract. Yeah. Yeah. It, announced in that same way and everything like that, like it makes you feel like a million bucks. Yeah. Right. More yep. like 75,000, but you feel like a million bucks. <laughs> um, if you're, you know, obviously, and the other side of it is, and I think this was what Pablo pointed out in one of the tweets is like, you're putting them in a bad position because now you're, you're building up excitement for something that's ultimately yeah, somewhat of a letdown. Right. And it's not fair to the kids to put them into that negative light. Right. 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 So I think I, I'm torn because I do feel like I do want them to have their moment. Right. I would, you know, like if I'm that kid, like I would want to be, you know, like if I got my, my hat lift the same way that Chiellini did, you're in, you're in elite company there. Right. Yeah. And maybe yeah. it, maybe it already prepares you to be, a professional at LAFC where your people are going to love you one minute and hate you the next. So that's football. Yeah. That's football, Josh. So that's why I that's wonder, is it, do, do we just continue with it? And then just, you know, the fans eventually just have to realize that it's, it could be, it's not always going to be a hat lift for <laughs> if it's domestic male. Just don't get excited ever. Yeah. <laughs> at best it's Josie Altador. At worst it's yeah. Christopher Jaime. Right? Yeah. It's like, don't, don't, uh, don't, Get your hopes up if you see. I mean, to be fair, even domestic wise, we've we've had, we've had Kellen Acosta. Kellen Acosta, yeah. We had Hollingshead. We had guys that that won us yeah, a championship, yeah. you know, under that domestic banner. But you know, like I said, I think, I I do, I do, I think I do fall in that camp of wanting them to have yeah, I have agree. their moment. I agree. Moment in the sun. But like, it's also man, it's it's. uh it is weird too. I, I almost think that like the announcements need to be quote tweets. Like here we we teased it with the with the hat reveal, and now we're gonna quote tweet that and yeah and share like the the actual announcement. But what do I know about social media? Like I, I I'm a I'm an old dad, so I know nothing, Josh. All right, uh, let's get into questions here. First one is from Corey at We Don't Post Ever. You guys think JT could convince Serginio Dest to come start a couple games for us at right back? Hmm. I mean, I don't know if you'd want him to. <laughs> As a USMNT fan, no, I don't want him to. I want him to go to a mid-table Bundesliga team and, and develop, be allowed to, to do his thing. That's all I want. Yeah. You know, because obviously I do think there is an upside when you are a guy that is probably, because a mid-level 
you know, a starter at a mid-level Bundesliga team is often a DP in major, <laughs> major league soccer. Hani Mukhtar, so, right? Yeah. Didn't he, well, he wasn't even in, in the Bundesliga, right? Yeah. I don't even remember where he, which league he came from. Yeah, but at the same out. time, right, it's like, do you want to pay Serginho Dest? I guess he'd be a U23 signing, but. Oh, that's actually interesting. Do you sign Serginho Dest as your U23 DP? He's, he plays both positions. Josh, this is getting interesting all of a sudden. Palencia is out for an undisclosed amount of time. Again, as a U.S. fan, I don't like it at all. <laughs> as an LAFC fan, I think it's... It's intriguing. I think it's very interesting because I think he is a good fit. I think he would be highly effective. I also think it's a step backwards to come to MLS and do it when he really should be going to the Bundesliga or even back to even back to the Netherlands, right, for, for a bit. Yeah, but I or mean, I think, the, I think the upside of signing a DP contract in Major League Soccer right, is you, you know you're going to play immediately because they have to pay you money. Yeah, yeah. Right, so if they got to pay mm-hmm. you, is it not worth? Is it not worth guaranteed minutes? Whereas if you go to one of those places, I don't. Can you, I'm not sure what you. Can I mean, guarantee. he he would he would fill it up in MLS. Like he, look at the way that he has torched Mexico on the dribble, and like playmaking from right back, left back, in in the friendly a couple months ago. Um, he would he would give so many teams, so many problems uh, in MLS. Yeah, it'd be a 12-month Defensively, he, Defensively, he's still going to struggle a bit, but yeah. It's a 12-month signing and you flip him for $20 million. <laughs> oh, I think it would be nine. But yeah. No, I'm telling you, go, you would end up, like I said, if you were to play well, yeah, some random team will pay... A, a stupid amount of money. I guess I just don't. I just don't think, especially MLS if he's going to play in the are, World Cup. Yeah, I, I I just don't like Pepe went for twenty million and like that was a mistake, right? Almiron went for twenty five million, I think, and that was a mistake. I got. I think people are overpaying for for ML, for some of these MLS guys. Potentially, but you haven't had Trudinho Desk come into the side. Yeah, it's you know, true. like a U twenty three. Constant national team starter, so he I has his who, work I permit. I wonder who has priority because it's not discovery rights. I think it's whatever the priority list is for the allocation for disorder. Allocation yeah, order. yeah, it's like the allocation list or something like that. Something stupid. I bet. I bet Ben Cox knows though. I bet yeah. you anything he knows who who has it or he knows where to find it. So Ben, let us know. Um, it's going to be San Jose who has first rights. Hani Mukhtar was playing in Denmark, Josh. Oh, wow. He's playing in Denmark. So, Well, there you go. I mean, yeah. Chicho Rongo, we found them out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, Chicho, Chicho's career has been like kind of up and down. He makes a big move. He performs well initially and then gets moved. And then he goes back to Colombia and then goes makes another big move, plays well, gets moved again. So anyway, okay. Uh, my phone shut off here. Next one, Tom Camilleri. Any W against Seattle is a good W with the current terrible injury luck and this never-ending schedule, thanks to the league's to the league's cup. LAFC is in survive and advance mode. Are you seeing any improvement out of a Poku or Buke at this point? 
Josh? Uh, I, I want, I, again, I, I'm, I still have faith in both of them that they're going to turn a corner. Yeah. The question just becomes how long it takes. Right. Because again, I think the quality is there, whether we've seen improvement. I mean, I, I haven't seen anyone on the team, anyone really be able to dribble up, dribble people the way that he does down the, down to the edge. It's just what he does at the, in that final moment is, you know, is that leaves a lot to be desired. Same thing for a poker, right? It's, he's kind of mm-hmm. just, it's all it's, if he can get a ball at full steam and make one decision, he's good. Um, so when, when the, when the, it, if they're still bringing it and every other aspect of the field, then I think they're still in a good place, right? Because again, you don't see any drop off on the defensive side um, from either of them. Yeah. They still, you know, they press, they do everything. You know, you just want to see some improvement in the final product. Yeah. Buke has to figure out how to get to the end line and what to do with his left foot once he does. Because everything, again, we've talked about this before, but it's like cut back on the right foot, cut back on the right foot, cut back on the right foot. And he, he doesn't he doesn't create enough space when he cuts back on the right to get a shot off. And he doesn't trust himself going to the left. He's done it a few times. And like we've seen him nutmeg people along the end line, right? And that's great. But it's just not. It doesn't happen with enough frequency. It's consistency, but again, yeah. But the the fact that you see it at all, I think, is a step in the right direction. Yeah, I I still want to see Opoku playing more minutes than Buke at the moment. All right, next one is from Lionel Hutz. Keelini had some jaw dropping passes tonight. The outside of the boot pass to Opoku down the line was inconsequential, but still stunning. He's such a joy to watch that maybe I don't mind that we can't depend on him when it matters. Uh, so yeah, I I think this is what you get out of a. 38 almost 39 year old center back right uh he's gonna be there when he's there and he's not always gonna be there yeah i mean you just hopefully you know it's obviously the gold cup doesn't help and then and the injuries don't help but you do hope that they're able to figure something out um you know where they can give enough rest so that he's available when it when you really need him you know and again not not just 45 minutes available but available like he was tonight right Right. Somber Amarath, our fight is definitely back. Even in the worst of times, if you fight like hell, good things will happen. Um, yeah, the team was lively tonight. And I feel like, I mean, a lot of the guys have been rotated and rested. So there's, you know, there's good reason to be uh, more lively. Uh, kind of reminded me of the Atlanta game where there's a lot of opportunities. Um we don't convert them all, but like the team looked busy, right? Yeah. And good. I mean, this is, this is the first time in a while, even that last game where you saw a fair amount of off ball movement. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like right. that, that third man was making a run. You'll, you'll see the sec, you'll see all the secondary movement happening off the ball that we just didn't see at all for like the month of May. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Darmalia. Kind of like Bogic in the midfield. What did you think of Stipe Buke tonight? Not sure how I feel about his consistency in the final third. Yeah, I mean, we both talked about this already, Josh. The fact that he gets to the end line, doesn't really know what to do there. Uh, oftentimes, he'll slow down coming into the box. So it's like whatever advantage he gained is evaporating or he cuts back on his right and doesn't create enough space to to get a shot off. But Yeah, I mean, it's just, I do think it's kind of the same 
issue that a lot of our young forwards have where it's just like it's there there they don't have that ability quite yet to think at the right speed and then i think mm-hmm. once that once they're able to flip that switch i think all the underlying i hate this un, un, it's not underlying numbers but the underlying technical ability is there it's just about a matter of now ma- matching that technical ability with a field awareness yeah and yeah. Yeah, you know, and and just kind of feel for the game as a whole. Mm-hmm. Okay, last one from Alan Kine at Tell a Tall Tale. We are winning now, despite it all. That's what's important. Tillman, please come back. Attackers, please recalibrate your GPS to better understand location location of the goal frame. Yeah, a lot of a lot of wide shots. Um, I felt like. Boanga had an uncharacteristic miss. He put a lot of curl around it to try and get past Fry, who was, you know, had taken a good angle. I think I think it was Bogus that had played him through. Um, Apoku missed bad at the end on a cutback. I think that one was from Buke, if I if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, from the end line. And I mean, Apoku's right at the spot. All he's got to do is stay over that ball, and he sent it to the second deck. Yeah. Again, I think a lot of it is still that same issue of things happening too fast for them. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. All right. Uh, anything else we need to get to tonight, Josh? Uh, real quick, I just wanted to send a quick shout out to Isang Bayan, the Filipino supporters group, um, yeah. that they celebrated the uh, Filipino heritage night tonight at the game. Wish I could have been there, but um, yeah, if you want, if you are one of our Filipino supporters, or you just enjoy eating lumpia, go ahead and follow follow the their account at isangbayan underscore LAFC on Instagram. All right, there you have it. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey. You can follow Josh. LAFC Josh on Twitter. All right, and we will talk to you all this weekend after the next game. Good night. Good night.